This is the time of year when we remind you how you can support our show. Go to theincomparable.com slash members and sign up. When you're asked to pick the shows on the network you'd like to support, ours is under TV. As a thank you, members receive bonus audio and a members-only Slack and lots, lots more. You can contribute at $5, $10, or $20 per month. You can pay monthly or annually. And if you are already a member, you can increase your donation as well. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And now on with the show. Don? Yes? Do you know where you are? I... I'm in a podcast. <laughs> How do you do, buckaroos? Limit your emotional affect, please. Hello and welcome to Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. This is the Incomparable TV Network podcast for the Westworld HBO program. And for those of you who are regular listeners, hello and welcome. And you may have noticed a mystery third voice on our show today. With us, we have a friend of mine, Jim Truer. Hi, Jim. Hello. Jim howdy, is a member howdy. of the board who is here joining us today. And uh, this happened because he told me that he liked Westworld. And so I said, you know what? I have a podcast. You should hear it. And then uh, he said he enjoyed it. And I said, you should be on it. So here we are. Here uh, we are. So we're, we're going to be covering Westworld episode four from season one, Dissonance Theory today, our rewatch. But Jim, my first question or set of questions to you is, when did you first watch Westworld? And how many thousands of times have you seen it so far? Well, the real tragedy is that I thought this was a Deadwood podcast. And so I got super <laughs> confused. Um, but no, I first watched Westworld uh, a few weeks ago. I just finished it uh, probably last weekend. Uh, and wow. I've seen it through once um, completely. And I've watched this episode probably three or four times in the last day or so. Wow. Wow. So what was your uh, – did you have any spoilers before watching the show? I made the mistake of looking on the wiki and found out who Bernard is. And uh, then I was very, very, I was Aww. like, dang it. I wish I hadn't looked that up. I think I looked up something else. Maybe that Teresa died. I forget. I forget what I looked up, but it was like, dang it twice. And then I just kind of rolled with it because the show's still pretty good, I guess. Well, you may want to stay off Reddit for all of season two. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, just, uh, well, stay off the internet for all of season two. It's that's, entirely possible. That's probably how bad it's going to be. So, uh, so what, what'd you, what'd you think? Did you, when you watched the first episode, even knowing that, were you like, I got to watch the second episode right away? Did you marathon it? I, it was mostly two marathon sessions. So the, the first night, um, I watched, I started around 9 PM and I watched until one in the morning and then I was like, I should go to sleep because I work in the morning. Um, and that was great. Um, and then I took a few days of break, um, watched a couple more episodes, then got spoiled and kind of lost interest a little bit. And then uh, stuck it out after actually listening to the show. I was like, no, 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 I need to finish the show before I can listen to the rest of the podcast. And so <laughs> uh, now I'm slowly catching up on the podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, finishing the last episode is 90 minutes. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat because I'm, I'm an idiot, but it, it takes some uh, commitment to, to get through that last one. So how did uh, how did we con you to be on this show? What's the well? I think I'm Kelly's special project at this point. She just keeps finding 
fun <laughs> tasks for me to do. Um, it was, it was, also, if I'm not wrong, it was karaoke last week. It right? may have been karaoke. Um, or I think you might've thought of it after karaoke, after seeing my, seeing me embarrass myself at karaoke. She was you like, don't, oh. you don't sound convinced you're having any fun though. That's a part that worries me. <laughs> this is so much fun. You can't hurt a guest. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and you'll and they'll just reset our memories after the show anyway. Exactly. We'll just wipe them when we're done. It's fine. Yep. Okay. So, what's in the news, uh, Kelly? Besides the fact that our guest hasn't seen the season two trailer yet. <laughs> uh, well, there is that. So, a moment of eye rolling and deep sighing. <sighs> Anyway, Um, aside from that, Don has a much better tidbit of news. Yeah, this one just came across my desk. I always like fire up stupidly, uh, (laughs) and I don't recommend this. I always fire up Reddit before the show starts. And one of the big stories bubbling up to the top on r uh, slash r slash Westworld, as my son would say, um, is HBO, HBO is planning to build an actual Westworld town outside of austin just for south uh by southwest so in a related piece of news uh i'm packing the car as soon as we're done recording (laughs) don is going to costco for goldfish crackers and we're hitting the road damn right (laughs) so uh i don't i don't know if you i don't know if you need tickets for south by southwest uh to get there or what do you do i think you just go to the hbo site and you can sign up for the Westworld experience, and I think it's uh, Kelly. Is it March? It's around March seventh or March ninth or something like that. So it's coming up pretty quick here. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that we're going now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did they announce what town they're going to build? Because it'd be kind of cool to go see Pariah, maybe like Sweetwater. Fine, whatever. But if they get something that's a little further out, you, you just want the nakedness, don't you? Well, I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> Uh, no, they what they announced is they're going to build the uh, the Mariposa and they're going to build uh, the Mariposa Saloon and they're going to build the Coronado Hotel <laughs> from uh, Sweetwater. I don't know how much else of Sweetwater they're going to build, but that's uh, that's p- uh, part of the press release. So, you know, who wouldn't want to go? So, exactly. uh, so we're, we're going to have. Uh, uh, by the way, I, f- I forgot, uh, before we forget to mention it, uh, we did our first, did we do our first theory time last episode, episode three? I think we did. Yeah. We so had we're going to, so yeah, well, uh, I had, I had a wacky one and you had an even wackier one that I completely bought into it. I, I think you're <laughs> actually right, but we're going to have theory time at the end of this episode. So we'll save spoilers for season two and stuff like that until the end but we are going to spoil the shit out of season one in this so if you haven't watched season one why the hell are you listening to this podcast so well we know why one person is but still seriously Casper, you need to go just buy it and watch it and be okay with that and hello to new people who may be here from microblog who yes. uh, have watched us uh, yammer on on micro.blog about our podcast. And I know there's at least one person from microblog who said, well, yeah, if you're watching it, I'll go watch it and and uh, let's check out some episodes. So hello. And hello, uh, dog cow. And I, <laughs> hello, dog cow. I hope you, I, yeah, I hope you're healing nicely. 
Yes, that's so, it. So, yeah. uh, with that, we're going to actually get to the episode now. Uh, so... so, we're going to kick off with Dolores, and uh, I'm I'm going to air quote Bernard. Yeah. Because the first time through, we all sat and went, Dolores and Bernard are having a really interesting conversation. And now we know it wasn't Bernard at all. It was Arnold. Yes. Who and- would have thunk... And this is, I feel like, you know, we've talked about cornerstones in, like, they, they talk on the show about, you know, the, the host's cornerstone memories and things like that. I feel like this is sort of a show cornerstone with um, the pain is all I have left of them yes. and, and how they feel about that. I feel like um, that's a huge piece of of the show. So that's one thing that I sort of have, uh, like, when I was watching this, that was the thing that stood out to me in this conversation. Right, because uh, it's very explicit here, and we actually heard Bernard in present time, because we know this conversation with Arnold takes place um, about 34 years in the past, back uh, before the the park completely opened, mm-hmm. um, uh, because Arnold uh, died before the park opened. And... Um, we heard this conversation echoed with Bernard and his wife in episode three. And mm-hmm. that actually wasn't his wife because Bernard doesn't have a wife. That was actually Ford pretending. It's complicated. Anyway, and then you uh, also hear this uh, with Maeve uh, later on, <clears throat> excuse me, in episode, I believe it's eight, uh, when she has the uh, incident and they have to like reset her and move her from uh, – uh, you know, the uh, the uh, the homesteader uh, oh, yeah, yeah. into the Mariposa. And, uh, uh, you know, she doesn't want to lose the memory of her uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. And then you hear it discussed again in episode, uh, I think it's 10, the beginning of 10, uh, with when Dolores finds uh, Bernard uh, in sub-level 83, and she wants these memories of her daughter and other people uh, erased. And Bernard explains, you can't do that. That'll delete your whole personality. You know, you can't delete your cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, because that's, you know, what your whole personality is built on. So, boy, they were hitting us over the head with this theme <laughs> during season one, which I makes me wonder... Where are they going with this for season two? If this was that important, and Kelly, as you always say, nothing is not, you know, intentional. <laughs> no frame wasted. No, no frame wasted. So, I, you know, we got it for season one. Very important thing. Where are you going with that for season two? Precisely. And one of the things that, that I'm very curious about with this is how that through line continues when we move to other parks and other, other sets of characters, how this, how this same sort of, you know, the pain is all I have left of them is going to carry forward. Cause I feel like it has to, it's a little yes. bit of what motivates Ford. If we think about it. Yes. So, well, he, he said in episode 10, that the pain of losing Arnold was, you know, what, uh, was essentially his cornerstone. Right. And what character on the show isn't motivated by pain right now? 
uh, Elsie, maybe, who disappeared. Uh, <laughs> well, we don't know what's motivating her right now. She might have disappeared yeah. and is in pain while being disappeared. That's, we don't know. <sighs> um, yeah, clearly the man in black is, right? He's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Everything's kind of falling apart for him, and he's trying to figure out like anything that makes sense, sense in his life. But yeah, everyone is driven by pain in this show. Um, it's really sad, come to think of it. Yeah, except maybe uh, except maybe Logan because he's such a flaming asshole. Well, Logan's <laughs> the shallowest pool on the planet, right? There's really nothing there to Logan. Like he is pure human. Like the, the park, ex- yeah, pure. <laughs> he's awful. The park exposes who you are really inside, and it's like, wow, you aren't just barely there. You're barely conscious, dude. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if he's uh, he's he's going by pain. Who the hell knows what motivates him? But Ben Barnes, who uh, created such a despicable character in uh, Forest with Logan, is going to be back for season two. We don't know how much, but <laughs> obviously some uh, flashback about you know uh, how the are time you in between. Himself and- yeah, how he reformed himself and became a priest, or we don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> so you mentioned, um, Jim, that you 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 stupidly looked at the wiki mm-hmm. before you watched the show, so you knew that uh, uh, Bernard was a uh, a host for uh, uh, was a host. But did you think? that this was Arnold at the beginning of these conversations, like the two conversations in episode three and this conversation that begins episode four. No, no, I, I never would have picked up on that. I never, it was ages and ages until you're actually like, I, I watched it pretty normally. Like, um, it's like, Oh neat. There's one of the texts, like he's working with Dolores. Like um, even the, the, the fact that there may have been multiple time frames didn't even, I don't think I picked up on it until episode five or six, maybe I'm a slow watcher too. So um, there's some of that. Uh... So it was this episode I finally started to buy the whole theory, the, the two time frames uh, theory on Reddit had been floating around since the end of episode two. But there was another theory, you know, people were saying, you know, everybody, right, you know, like uh, Ford's a host, Stubbs is a host, Elsie's a, you know, it's like <laughs> a this guy walking in the background, you know, tech is a host. <laughs> But there was a one that would bubble up to the top, which was Bernard's a host. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. But it was this episode and this conversation mm-hmm. uh, that got me thinking, you know, that wacky, uh, annoying guy on Reddit might actually be right about this because it's starting to smell, starting to smell to me because I thought, why would Bernard go off the reservation with Ford and be having these conversations, so many conversations with Dolores. And I started to suspect something uh, that this was right. But obviously I didn't go yoza until the end of episode seven, but. uh, See, it never occurred to uh, me because I just sort of thought that Bernard was kind of doing his own like research or whatever with Dolores. Like, Maybe there's something more to this and that it was just sort of a side effect of uh, talking to Elsie about whatever it is with the hosts being contagious, you know, and all of that and how he was dismissing her as silly. But like privately, he thought maybe there was something to that. So it never occurred to me until uh, we get into episode seven and I'm like, wait, and then we get a little further into episode seven 
And then they go down, they go down the stairs and I went, and for some reason at that moment, like I hollered it at, at Mr. G- oh my God, Bernard's a host. Like immediately. And he's like, you are a crazy person. Why are you yelling at the TV? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I promise. Like, just go with me on this. I bet. Oh, he but married then, you and the- he didn't know that you did that. <laughs> oh, no. He, well, I don't I don't do it as much. I'm usually telling people that they're wrong instead of like blurting out something that like just occurred to me about the show. So. So that, that was what happened. Why? Are, like, I, I, I know because you're I was, texting like, me the entire time when you were watching Sevens. I yes. I know this story firsthand. <laughs> I, I, I had seen the show just the hour before because you guys were having dinner or something and you could yeah you i think there was like an in-law situation and yeah. so it's like okay we're watching it and you were like are you done are you done are you done <laughs> and i was tell i was giving you like the play-by-play of like what was happening and i'm like i was like this is what happened this is what happened so you knew and then every time no matter what i texted you you went just wait yeah. <laughs> that's what i remember this just happened with like four exclamation points after it just wait. But I bet once the episode is over, you're flashing back to the scenes in episode three and this scene. And uh, specifically from four. this episode, it was the conversation with Teresa that we get to a little bit later where yeah, and, he uh, talks to her about uh, being a frightened beast. And so and uh, yeah, well, and then I started texting you in all caps. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bernard is the final Cylon. <laughs> I was freaking out. Yeah. Yep. 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 We're not done with that show. Uh, it's coming back. Um, oh, it totally is. And it really is coming back, by the way. They're they're talking about, believe it or not, rebooting the reboot. But we won't go into that here. <laughs> That's news on a different uh, before, show that Don and I are inevitably before... going to start as soon as the show begins airing. Yes, exactly. Uh, so. So the thing is, speaking of Teresa, before Bernard has that that awkward uh, bedroom talk conversation with Teresa, he has an even more awkward one where he walks in on Elsie and Teresa arguing about the, the wood carver. And by the way, I must say that the stove-in head on that wood carver was one of the most disturbing images of the season and what was worse is when the head moved and it yes, tried like, to say oh, but something he's kind of fixed like he's not completely yeah. and i oh yeah he, yeah he's I, fine. Was, he can I was just, he can just walk it off he'll be fine it'll be yeah, all, exactly fine. <laughs> it's like holy shit yeah i was like you know when you're a kid and you like try to back up over the couch to mm-hmm. hide from the tv that was yes. the that was the creepiest fuck feeling i got from uh seeing that you know, oh, even oh. even all the carnage in um, uh, when Teddy kills all the yeah. uh, Union soldiers, nothing comp- and the the mutilated Union soldiers out in front of the camp. Yeah, nope. nothing compared to that. Nope. <laughs> Those soldiers were at least laying down on the ground, like that's what dead people are supposed to do. This one's sitting exactly. in attention on a on a stool, like okay, I'm ready for you now. It's like no, that's not okay. That was the icing on the creepy cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they this show really knows how to to do it to you there. So, uh, so that conversation doesn't go well. And I think is uh, Jim, you had a, a com you had a comment on that uh, about Teresa pulling rank, or was that? Yeah, because she says like basically like uh, QA is going to handle all new problems like this um, 
because we learn later on that, in fact, this dude's got some sort of secret laser satellite beam thing in his arm, right? Um, yeah. So it's like, how many other hosts actually have one of these things in it is my first question. Um, and man, what a crap boss Bernard is too, right? Like he just completely <laughs> rolls over, like, thanks for sticking up for me, dude. Well, right? And yeah, Elsie even Elsie said, doesn't... like, you hired me because I would speak my mind. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just pictured Elsie uh, in that moment being played by Kelly, hmm. and it just <laughs> it just worked for me. But you know, he's also sleeping with Teresa, so you have to wonder if Bernard's doing it for that reason or Ford. that Ford has ordered him to do that. Because yep. we we now know after episode eight that Ford has ordered him to do all sorts of weird shit before mm -hmm. that sort of goes against character. And that was the first time I went, you know, Bernard's not being a stand-up guy here. Because he was, as Kelly said, after she watched episode seven, she was like, God damn it, Bernard was the human I was pulling for, right? Yep. And he's a host, right? Yep, so. the human, the one human I thought had like any redeeming quality turned out to be a fucking robot. <laughs> exactly. Which just tells you everything you need to know about watching this world, I think. But I really like, um, Jim, I liked your approach that um, at first it sort of feels like Teresa is just throwing, throwing her weight around. But in reality, it's entirely possible that the the story that Teresa was was like the corporate mole who was behind all of the all of the data getting out of the park and everything. Like if that's true, it's possible that she's just covering her tracks. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's a show that really encourages rewatches because you can take it from both angles and both seem correct. Like, sure. Right. She's a little mad with power. Like she wants more control. Like that's what every person in charge wants. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason it, it seems more compelling to me that she is actually just trying to cover her ass. Which is yes. entirely possible, except that because it's Westworld and that's the simplest explanation, I don't know if we can go for it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, but I really like uh, the idea that, it, Ford, that it really was as her. Ford discussed, as Ford discussed, in, was it episode one or episode two, Occam's uh, Razor? Occam's Razor, Doesn't yeah. Doesn't always a play. But she's also, or Teresa is also really bad at playing the Westworld game, as we find out later on. So her having a, a simple crappy reason for doing something it might be in character because she clearly does not play it the same. I forget who was saying that, like, uh, she's trying to find checker pieces and Ford's playing 3D chess. Um, yes. Same kind of thing here, maybe. That was Dawn. Where, yeah, she, and yes. she, she did not play uh, the game no. well. She was, she was voted off the island fairly yes. early on. <laughs> Oops. She totally was, which is so funny when you think back to her and Sizemore as she's like, isn't it cute that you think you know what's going on and you think you can cut it with the big kids? Yeah, you know, 2% more than he does. So don't be so smug, lady. <laughs> right. Who and survives and the Sizemore, season? even though he's a major league asshole, maybe not quite in Logan's league, he survives. To he the made end it of out of season. season one alive. Yeah. Yeah. As far as we know, was he at the party? didn't uh Dolores didn't gun him down did he did she no 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 he's uh he's he's back in the mesa because we know that from um uh from the, the hbo uh, commercial oh, okay fair. yeah well we don't know if that's now though yeah we don't know anything well i suspect that one is now because it's the same in that scene it's the same dress that mave was wearing oh when she, when she got off, got the, off train. the train. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the other scene with the bulls 
that Jim has not seen. Yeah, that's different. Okay. So let's, uh, well, so one of the other things that that we have in our notes here is um, finding out what the constellation actually was. The thing that the woodcarver was continuing to carve. Yes. And I, I got nothing. I don't remember if we found out. I thought for some reason that it was coordinates. I I have no. My only thought was like it's it's clearly not what Orion's belt or whatever. Right. Else my it memory was, of but... it is hazy, but it had something to do with the stuff that they were getting sneaking out of the park. The data they were smuggling. Yeah. Some some reason that thing represented the uh, location of the Delos satellite where they were beaming stuff to. That was the only way that I took that. Yeah, that was all I got out of it, too. But uh, that does that does then bring us to uh, Dolores with William and Logan and Don's other favorite creepy as all hell moment from this series. And that is Lawrence's daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The. uh, uh, Every time this little i don't know where they got this little girl certainly not from uh central casting i i believe you know they somebody was thumbing through the movie exorcist and it's like we need we need somebody as scary as the priest when he's having that dream so well, we know uh, they didn't find her waiting to audition for annie we know that yeah no no so um what we do know about these whole scenes with dolores william and logan mostly there to show the evolving character uh in this in this one William plays white hat more than he did in episode 3 he tries to be the valiant white hat and logan uh his Pulls even uh, harder jack the other way. Ho- yeah jack holiness is real you know killing people outright and stuff <laughs> like that but the big yeah, thing that someone showing- bumped his frat boy up to maximum for this episode yeah. So Dolores continues her time, uh, her slipping between time frames here. And just to point out to um, everyone here, it's like I said at the beginning of episode three, after so many rewatches, I can tell now pretty much what happens in Westworld current time and what happens in Westworld uh, 30 years ago time and what happens in Westworld. 34 years ago time and what right. might be a little instance in between. And basically anytime you see uh, the little girl mm-hmm. when Dolores is talking to her, that's current time frame. Mm-hmm. when the little girl isn't there. And you can see that she's not there at the fountain, even though she's sitting at the fountain drawing that thing in the sand, she's not there. Sometimes yeah. she's not there when Dolores first walks up to it. And she's not there when uh, she walks away from it and talks to the other guy. That's 30 years ago when that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the funny thing is when this happened and the guy who, because they have this scene before this happens where uh, Stubbs is in the control room and one of the techs comes up and says, there's a host that's way off their loop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go get her. Old flagger with behavior. And then you think the guy coming up was um, was that behavior tech that was flagged. No, that was 30 years ago. And why the hell did that happen? Because Dolores is retracing her steps in present time. She is 
has mind fucked herself with memories mm-hmm. and she's going through she's even almost wearing the same things but there are some subtle differences when you see dolores with the gun that's yeah. present time she doesn't have the gun in the past okay so but the big funny thing about this is i remember after this episode came out I went on Reddit to see what the hive mind was at and they, and you have to remember that the whole multiple time frames theory was only like two episodes old. Now people just went off the rails. Some of them were saying this absolutely proves it. And other ones like, no, it absolutely disproves it. You're, and so you had uh, the, the subreddit, the Westworld subreddit uh, splitting and people were like calling each other names and it was uh it was like get a bucket of popcorn and watch this I oh mean, yeah just watching it, all it, of that spin up like i remember i think it, it was like was watching texted, voters yeah, yeah i texted don like can you hear the reddit machine spinning up right now <laughs> yes exactly and so uh so they went uh they went crazy and of course the one faction was proved right in the end uh, that it was two uh, two time frames, mm-hmm. and and uh, Dolores was doing that, but with a bonus third was... time frame. But <laughs> I, I, yes, and when we did our first podcast, this was after episode five, and we we did yes. the summary of the first five we did episodes. The first half of the season, in one, yeah, well, I was in to one catch episode, up and then it was three and a half hours, so we had to do another one and got it down to two. <laughs> Only two. Uh, so, uh, that is a classic episode. I still have the recordings of the first, our first pass on that. <laughs> and that will, that will stay locked in the vault folks. Uh, although it was Truly. pretty, fu- uh, pretty amusing, uh, there, but anyway, uh, I, by the time episode five came out, I had bought into the, the multiple time frame theory. And I, I was almost there in this episode. I, I had, a few doubts, but I was almost there. But when five came out, I was like, okay, I'm in. It's mm-hmm. multiple time frames. So, um, but uh, there's there's a lot of going back and forth. There's, you know, uh, Dolores staring at the moon. And there's it's brief. The- That's the thing is that there's, there's like all the different stuff happens for a couple seconds at a time. So you see her standing at the fountain with nobody and then she walks around the fountain and there's Lawrence's daughter. And then you see her sort of looking the other way and there is no little girl. And then she looks back and says, like, is this your home? And I still have like we have a whole episode to do about Lawrence's daughter. Yes, (laughs) I'm sure at some point. Well, the worst thing is I I really hope she's back in the show, but she's got to be like a foot taller now. Considering when they filmed all this. It's just... Well, and, but part of it is like, I have so many questions about why that's what she's saying and like, where is that information coming from and on and on and on and on. And then like, part of it is just like, for me, the, the time frame thing, I had to watch a few times because I was having, I was sort of having a hard time keeping up. I felt a little like Dolores in that moment. Like this is when exactly. And then, but is it? And then like, I had to back up and do it again. And it was um, it was very weird to try and parse, like as a viewer trying to go into that, knowing this isn't right. exactly linear. It was kind of hard. Like Jim, were you well, confused? The, the with other that? thing is, 
I'm more thing confused that... now after you guys all said all that, but um, <laughs> I, well, the, I kind the of took thing... it. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I took it one of two ways. Either she is a host that is also already kind of like on her way into the maze, like because mm-hmm. um, it's go. clear that other hosts are kind of aware and going through this um, that um, it's tough to know how many hosts are actually changing over time. Um, the other thought that I had was that actually she is a figment of Dolores's imagination in the same way that at the end um, uh, Arnold and Bernard were, where she's talking to herself that the little girl is never actually there in at the um, at the fountain at this point in time. Because hmm. uh, it's the same I, kind of conversation, right? That theory, uh, theory. I suspect she is actually, actually there, but. I think you're right that she's certainly self-aware. In fact, she may be the most self-aware host in the park. She has to be because she's the one that knows how to tell the man in black where to go. She's the one that knows the maze isn't meant for him. And that's the first time we get direct awareness in the park. Because we get direct awareness from Abernathy... Yeah, but we get like, and then we see it creeping in for Dolores. We see it creeping in for Maeve, um, and we see Abernathy. But Abernathy's already in the shop at that point when he when he has like you right. know kind of completely gotten there. Yeah. So the, the her and so shot, the maze they, isn't meant essentially, for you. Right. Uh, the thing to remember with Dolores, Maeve, uh, old Peter Abernathy, uh, and the little girl Lawrence's daughter, they were all there in the beginning at Escalante, mm-hmm. they were all original hosts, you know, along with Angela, uh, along Armistice. with Armistice. <laughs> uh, and we don't know if, if Hector is that, uh, that old, uh, well, and along with Teddy too, Teddy is that old. We don't know which of the other has, uh, hosts were back there at the beginning, but the little girl was there at the beginning. I took Hector as a recent model just because of the the things that the man in black said to him. Like, oh, I always took you for a focused group. Um, <laughs> like yeah. toy poodle or something like that. Yeah, like he was yeah. never interested in. Um, and he wouldn't have been 30 years ago back when he was trying to be yeah. like the best little white hat he could be. Um, <laughs> and think about the poor girl and think about what it takes to kind of become self-aware and what that poor little girl must have gone through to do that. And it's like, oh, I'm kind of sad that you're, you know, the one that is maybe the most conscious right Um, because peter abernathy did not take it very well (laughs) yeah (laughs) no and uh it's how much suffering has uh has that host went through so yeah grotesque so but one thing i did like in in that bit was uh i did like william's sort of extra white hat moment you know she's not lost she's with me and uh, watching that when when the guy comes out and says like a missing rancher's daughter and Dolores, you know, like uh, something about her dad. And she says, my dad is dead. And it it stood out because I remember, you know, they, they she talks to him every morning and she has this loop. And all of a sudden, like she remembers that he died because before they were shooting him every night. And she never seemed to notice. And so now all of a sudden it it is stuck in her mind. And she's like, no, my father's dead. And then, so that was sort of an odd moment to me because like, wait, why does she remember that? And then, oh, that's right. Well, like if she never went home and they never brought her in overnight or wiped her memory or whatever, you know, it is that happens after she goes to sleep, then, then of course she remembers. So she still knows. And then William goes out and tries to be nice to her. And so like we get 
Dolores at at this point anyway her most human we get William at his whitest hat and then we get Logan at his broiest yeah and he just oh like seriously like props to the actor but I hate him so much (laughs) and I hate him more now than I did the first time through well what's funny is that uh uh, Evan Rachel Wood uh, and Ben Barnes and um, Jimmy Simpson just because they were in so many scenes together for so many episodes. Uh, they hung out together. They uh, they're lifelong friends now. So. Oh, sure. And uh, they would do um, well, they put some of the stuff up in the web, uh, the web, them doing really silly, goofy things. Yeah. Well, you'd have uh, to on this show. Yeah. Uh, so they uh uh and Ben Barnes apparently loved playing that part because it was so very different from some of the other things he uh he has done so there there's no surf or everything's just surface thoughts with him right there's no there's no agenda he's just like I'm here and I'm on my my vacation and I'm going to have a really good time being like the worst human that I can come up with like that's fun yeah. for him and it's clear that the actor is having fun just being that despicable Yep. Right. With like, like I said, I'm so impressed with the actor. But like, when we watched this the first time through, he was icky, and now I just want to hit him in the face the whole time he's on screen. Like, it just got worse. And you know, we talked about it before, but it's so like it just did, keeps did extra rubbing me the start, wrong way. Did you finally start feeling sorry for uh, sorry for him when William finally went black hat and sent him off naked on the horse uh, in episode ten? No, I stood up and cheered. <laughs> is is Logan better or worse than the the um the guest that totally goes nuts in the saloon earlier in the episode or later? The one that um shoots yeah. Maven Clementine. Oh, you know because that guy is nuts, right? That guy, like I don't know what his deal was, so I don't know. See, if we had spent a few episodes like watching that guy, I'd probably hate him just as much. Yeah, yeah. if not more. Yeah. So, uh, oh, but yeah. Props to Ben Barnes, but oh my god, I just hate I hate Logan so much. <laughs> it just like I did honest to god, I stood up and cheered when uh when William pats the horse on the rear end and and the horse trots off into parts unknown. And I was like, "Yes!" I did. I jumped up and I suck at Logan. Like I was so excited. I really really was because it felt for once at that moment, it felt like finally there was a human that was getting theirs. And at that point, there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot of payback to the people. Right. So I was pretty excited <laughs> at that point. Right. Because you you know by that time that this awakening that uh, Dolores had uh, by then, you start to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because she's really starting to wake up on this journey with William. Mm-hmm. And they erased her afterwards and rolled her completely back. And yeah. it's like, fuck. That's the thing that's really sad. Right. And that's why it's that's why she's so heartbreaking by the time we get to the end. Because right. she's been this close before. And then oh no, sorry. Like you had actual growth. We can't have that. You know, it was it was terrible. So I have so I did. I, I had a hard time with that. Um 
<laughs> so I, I really do hate him. But one thing I do want to point out that was in Jim's notes was that, uh, speaking of Logan, the bullets in the shootout that we have right there, uh, they're in time with the music. Yep. Which, again, oh, the music. I love it. So uh, we get the cure this time. I think it was this yep. time we get the cure. And uh, it was very exciting. Again, like I love the music. That that whole thing was great. And uh, we should probably move on to our next set of characters. Bernard and Teresa, the uh, the scene that you talked about, the uh, what what was it? The uh, uh, the bedroom. Uh, this was the second bedroom scene that they have. And yeah, where like... where he talks about uh, she has to go to Ford and buy some time, and he says like, "Don't stand there that way, because if you cross your arms over your belly." It's uh, like it's defensive because this is the weakest part of an animal. And, you know, and she says, despite yourself, you can sometimes be really charming. And they have such yeah, such she, this nice She's very likable in that scene. Yeah, because very likable. it's a very and, human and she, moment. Right. And by the way, uh, the uh, the scene at the uh, the end of episode seven. Uh, who Bernard is that he's a host where. uh Teresa con- uh, confronts Ford for the second time there. She first drops into that protected mode mm-hmm. and then she tries to, you know, she remember the irony is, is that she knows Bernard is a host, but she's trying to use what she told him to do with facing off with Ford in this scene. Yeah. And Sidney Babbitt Knudsen does some really, I know we're talking ahead of the episode seven, does some really subtle physical acting to convey that awkwardness and that confusion. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a disturbing scene in retrospect. When I watched the first time, I just thought it was like kind of a, uh, a throwaway or a setup for the next scene, which is my favorite scene in the episode, which is Ford and Teresa uh, in the little um, Mexican themed uh, outdoor restaurant. Oh yes. So, so one thing on the setup of this, where Teresa comes up for she finally goes out on, out in the park, uh, where Ford's tearing up the park, and they stand. Uh, he stands at a cliff, and you see this big monster machine down in a gully ripping things up. And I went, "Oh wow! You know, I recognize that machine. I that's great. They're actually using real like footage of the machine. No." Mm-hmm. No, no, there's there's no machine like that anywhere in California. The only machine like that is in Germany. That's but actually, it is real. It is real. There is one. It's CGI though, because I <laughs> I saw the uh, I, I saw the you know one of those CGI reels and they showed how they made the thing. Mm-hmm. And they based it off the footage of the machine in uh, Germany. And that so shot that is was... my favorite shot in this episode. The when. They when the machine is churning in the background and then Teresa comes into frame. I don't know yes. why that moment is is the standout to me in this episode, but that's the one that stands out to me. I well, really it's like, like it. the it's like the robot coming to get you kind of thing. <laughs> coming to get well, it, maybe well, that's no, it. It's like different. it's it's just yet another representation of robot uprising. <laughs> yeah, the machines it, it are coming really to get you. And, and it's also like the hosts, you know, obeying Ford in the scene. But I must say. They're at the table sitting there, uh, and somebody has done a video, a 15-minute video on this seven- or eight-minute scene, 
Anthony Hopkins gives a master class in acting uh, again in the scene. And I think I wrote in the notes, I'm not sure if Hannibal Lecter was this fucking scary. He does so many subtle, subtle things in here. And once again, if you think ahead, this is one bookend to the other bookend at the end of episode seven, Trompe Oil, where Teresa and Ford confront again, mm. where, you know, he has Teresa killed because he says in this very clearly and just scary as fuck. Please don't get in my way. And you just, oh, 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 you like, we're done. He's the worst. He's so evil. Like this was the moment the first time through and you probably can hear us talk talk about it on the podcast about like you know at first ford seemed like sort of just a benevolent old dude and they were sort of keeping him around to make him happy because it was his idea and what have you and no turns out he's the devil yeah that was this is the moment that like crystallized that the first time through and now this time through you watch it and you're like he's scaring her but he's not scary like He's doing this to her because he has a particular agenda, and that particular agenda isn't necessarily terrible. Yeah, it's not It's not evil in terms of the host. It's certainly evil for the humans because Ford basically has orchestrated the beginning of a slaughter of his own kind. You, right. You know, you learn at the end. His speech, his farewell speech, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, is a lesson in in you know a preface for for what's going to come in season two you know mm-hmm. uh, because you know couldn't that. learn right yeah yeah so i think i think uh jim you had uh something in our notes here uh about this scene yeah it's like ford is an unreliable narrator like shows up pretty big like basically everything about he says about arnold seems kind of wrong um and also kind of funny (laughs) at the same way um well it's like um he says you know arnold had a pretty dim view of people but ford also says you didn't understand what you were paying for which is a pretty cutting thing to do right um literally the person from the board is here and you're like you don't understand what you're doing here like there's no point to you almost Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it this is an entertaining scene, but really, really hard to watch in hindsight for sure. Um, <laughs> and even her attempt at the end to to exert herself, like um, I'm still technically in control here. I have some power. And he says, nobody told you that somebody up from the board was already here. It's like, oh, the last thing that she tries and it's completely ineffective. Right. Um, and, and he's just so mind fucked her with sitting her in exactly the seat she was at when she was a kid when yeah, she not came the restaurant, with her parents. Not the same restaurant, right. not the same table, the same chair. Yeah. And he knows about uh, her affair with Bernard and he's basically put the entire park on pause, you know, to show, you know, Manu mm-hmm. pouring the wine out of the goblet to show his power, his control. You know, we created every blade of grass, right? Mm. And he repeats that line um, when uh, when he has her killed at the end of episode seven. Like, to me, that's one of the things that stands out about this is is the first time through we don't we don't spend quite as much time on it. But 
as you rewatch, you find out that like not like this isn't necessarily the point where it's where Ford turns evil. This is the point where it where Ford has come to terms with the fact that he totally agrees with Arnold. Yes. So and then like and, you know, Jim, like you said, um, the the power play here where Therese is like, yeah, well, I have the board. And he's like, well, they're already here. Oh, you didn't know. And 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 I've dealt with the board before, like most of the time it was gentle, but sometimes not. And it's like the very slightest bit of threat. Yeah. Well, that makes me think, by the way, in looking forward to season two, find out backstory. Do we get to see in season two some other instances of Ford taking out other, you know, heads of QA or people who ran the park or whatever. This is, I think we're going to see, I hope, I guess I shouldn't say think, I hope that we're going to see at least one of these failed attempts in season two. That's my hope. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be into that. I agree. Okay. So let's, Let's get uh, let's move this uh, show along. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the Man in Black, Lawrence, Armistice, and Hector, and a surprise visit from Teddy, who they didn't <laughs> quite kill at from the Kenny. end of the episode. Yeah. So uh, this is you know this this whole thread with the Man in Black and Lawrence and Armistice and Hector is like a real Western happening in the background. Right. It totally. And, and, and the dialogue is just delicious. Like the whole way through this storyline, it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. There's, uh, there's armistice's, uh, you know, one match, one pistol and one idiot. I'll take those odds. I just love uh, that line. Mm -hmm. And of course, only Lawrence, who else can say (laughs) what Kelly? Mother. Mother. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't do it without laughing. <laughs> I know, because as everyone remembers from last week, Lawrence is the patron yeah. saint of motherfucker. Yeah. So he, I I love him, and I love um, uh, also the moment when the man in black is trying to offer the cigar to the guy in the coach and says, uh, this is the finest tobacco, hand-rolled on the ample thighs of exotic women. And I don't know why that is hilarious to me, but that is hilarious to me every she time. She cracks up when she, <laughs> you know, when she's doing the rewatch in these episodes, a lot of times we're texting on <laughs> iMess. And she always, she always texts that one. I don't know why. We don't know why, Kelly. I it is know, funny, but we don't know why. I don't know what it is about that one that is so funny to me every time, but it's so funny to me every time. Because I do chuckle at Armistice, one match, one pistol, dramatic pause, and one idiot. Yes. And I, you know, that's also funny. But I, one of the things I like about this one in particular is that the rest of the conversation in the stagecoach is about um, uh, freedom of choice and, you know, do you have free will or not or what? And the man in black basically saying, uh, you know, you think you're doing all of this yourself, but what if it turned out you weren't? And I am your savior slash agent of chaos. Right. What if I told you I'm here to set you free? Right. And I think, uh, Jim, you have a comment. Yeah, it's after watching it again and knowing that like Ford and Arnold seem to understand that maybe putting these poor hosts through a lot of suffering will get them like into the inter- interior of the maze. Like, what if 
um, Ford or Arnold, no, it would have had to be Ford, right? Because Arnold was already dead. Uh, what if Ford told the man in black, hey, you should put these hosts through hell because you'll be doing a good thing for them kind of thing. Like he told them just enough to know that like, no, 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 you're fine. Like being a black hat is okay and intentional here. Um, but not enough to understand why he was doing any of that or what the maze was actually about. Because um, again, the maze is not for him, but he certainly seems uh, hell bent on leading them to the door of the maze. Um, based mm. on how much hell he constantly puts them through, right? Well, considering um, how many of them he killed in episode two in Las Mudas, yeah. And outside of Las Mudas when he was uh, finding uh, Hector for the first time. As Stubb said, that man gets anything he wants, right? Yep. He said in the control room. That Another gentleman, great line once. Remember, because yeah. he's not a guest and he's not yeah, a board member gentleman. and he's not huh. any of those other. Like, he's not anything that we've ever heard anyone referred to so far. All he says is that gentleman gets anything he wants. Yeah. Well, as Ford referred to him in episode 10, he's the owner of the park. right? So. Mm -hmm. uh, another great line once the man in black makes it to the prison and he's locked in with uh, Hector. Hector has this great line when uh, the man in black wants to uh, explore his worldview. And Hector says, it's simple. I believe that only the truly brave can look <laughs> at the world and understand that all of it, God's men, everything else will end badly. No one will be saved. Well, he's right, the isn't way... he? <laughs> yeah. Just the way he says it kills me every fucking time. It's great. That's the line I laugh at. Yes. So, so I love that. And so I I must say uh, uh, that the actor who's uh, Rodrigo San, uh, Santoro, who's, uh, whose name I was blanking out there for a second, I just love, I love his gravitas here, which is why, and we'll get to this when we talk about the end, his tone is so very different at the end. So Yes. Well, and then we get, I feel like we, we in this same episode, we get a little bit of Hector sort of cracking and waking up a little bit when he says, um, with Maeve in the hotel room, I think what he says is like, all of this is madness or this world is madness. Right. But at the end, he says, what is this? You know, what does this mean? But we'll get there. Yeah. We're not but done he, in this he, scene. he says like this world is madness. And it's the way he says it where he's where he has removed himself from it a little bit by saying this world. You yes. know, because like when Dolores talks about it, she says our world a lot or my world, you know, and or the world and not this world or, you know, like she doesn't talk about it like she's removed from it in some way. And he sort of starts to. So that to me was well, a very the other thing is he said only the brave. But at that moment at the end of the show, which uh, we want to take a little bit more in depth, it's very clear that I'm not uh, he's not sure that he's brave anymore once he understands the implication. Mm. So it's it's the breakdown of his world. This is this is the episode I think where Hector starts waking up. <laughs> but the uh, I think Jim, you you pointed out that Armistice has a has a great great line there at the end of this whole sequence. Before that, did, did anyone else love the uh, um, the man in black shit-eating grin as he's like, this one prefers, or more akin to a firing squad or something like that? And yeah. Lawrence yeah. is just like, thanks for nothing, buddy, <laughs> you jackass. Like, they could have thrown me in a cell and hung me tomorrow. But no, you got to drag me out to get shot at a wall. Thanks. 
Um, oh, but yeah, Armistice has a line that says, uh, Wyatt has many names, um, and we never really actually see Wyatt. And I wasn't actually sure if Wyatt actually had a host body, because I know that Teddy sees something of Wyatt, um, and I don't remember if he was just... No, he never had a host body. They, were, it... they, were, just desi- they were designing the character, but they hadn't designed the host. And it made me think, because, of course, at the end of the season, we find out that um, Dolores is, in fact, the one that has gunned everyone down. And Teddy comes around the corner and sees her with the pistol. Uh, and it actually made me think back to the bit where um, behavior was going to take Dolores away, where she gets – Evan Rachel Wood gets this look on her face. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's Wyatt every single time <laughs> yeah. when she looks like she's just going to devour you alive. Yes. Like, it makes me wonder if she's going to have not multiple personalities because that's a really crude way to put it. But if there are going to be different aspects that maybe come forward when necessary in season two. Jim, I got to tell you, I agree, agree with you. Evan Rachel Wood has the best don't fuck with me face I've ever seen. Or you've already fucked up too bad. Sorry, dude. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, I have had it with your shit. And yep, yeah. now I'm going to unhinge my jaw and swallow you whole. That's exactly yep. what that face looks like. And I'm like a little impressed and a little rooting for her and a little afraid, like all at the same time, because you don't know what's coming next if she makes that face. Sure. That's the yeah, fun part. And so the other thing about this, you know, Armistice is obviously talking about why it ends because we didn't see Ford reprogrammer. We saw the last episode where he reprogrammed Teddy to know about Wyatt mm-hmm. and re reprogrammed an interpretation of a memory that Teddy had erased, but not completely erased because this whole patching out the reveries uh, stuff, you know, removing that update, that's all bullshit because obviously Ford never got rid of it or he put, rolled it back in because Teddy starts waking up two episodes later too. So, Excuse me. So everybody, you know, Teddy, Armistice, and Angela that we see in episode eight, they've been programmed with this this Wyatt story too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, it's obviously a temporary story to screw up the guest and to screw up the man in ba- uh, black to lead them on into this end game scenario that Ford wants. Talk about a guy playing chess where when everybody else is playing checkers ford is like the master manipulator but mm-hmm. it totally goes to his his character and you can you can like you say kelly you can never you know in this episode you think oh he's got to be the evil bad guy but then you see something else and like wait why did he do that mm-hmm. it's it i could not figure out the ford in game until the end of episode 10 when he's down in that bunker with <laughs> you know beneath the church in Escalante with uh with Dolores and when you know when Bert- uh Bernard wa- uh walks in it's like oh shit he really is the uh the good guy uh mm-hmm. after all in terms of the host is concerned i mean for a human he's like a complete traitor to his species but you know well he, uh, but anyway okay so, so let's move on to uh mave clement uh, clementine briefly and hector because hector stars in this part too but mave had her big episode uh in episode two we barely saw her at all in episode three where she has a minor flashback 
This episode, uh, there's like three big scenes with her. Yeah. Where she's she's starting to glitch and flashback like you wouldn't believe, and then she gets obs- obsessed about the the image of the text with the red creepy helmet and flashlight eyes, and then she sees that same image with a little uh, native girl and her doll, and then because she the doll is one of those. Right. And then, you know, she has the flashback seeing um, Clementine and her getting shot. Yeah. And a uh, boy, by the way, Reddit went off on that whole thing about <laughs> the blood pattern around Clementine's eye when she falls to the floor oh, sure. and how it was like some uh, some ancient goddess in Greek and what the meaning was. And I was like, you know, breaths, I just, guys. yeah, deep breaths. <laughs> I think the director just thought that looked cool. Yep. Well, kind of went I... off the edge there. I did say uh, during this episode, as I was texting Don about it, um, that I would trade the only thing I would trade commentary tracks for, because that is still my dearest wish, is if we could just get a list from Lisa and and Jonah of this is not a thing. (laughs) Um, This person in the background, not a thing. Uh, You know, the pattern under the pattern of blood under Clementine's eye. We just thought it looked cool. It's not a thing. Yeah, they Uh, just had red on them. That's fine. That's all it was. Exactly. Like, yeah, if I could just have that list of like, stop, stop turning this over and 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 over in your brain, Kelly, that would be awesome. And and for that, I would give up the commentary tracks. But otherwise, commentary tracks, you guys, seriously. Yeah. Well, we already gave up the commentary tracks. And my guess is knowing these, these people are just squeezing it out of... A, a needle is too damn narrow. It's it's pretty irritating, <laughs> but I'll I'll keep watching. What what are you gonna do anyway? So the big thing here, I remember you were rewatching the episode, and Kelly, of course, gives me the play by play on messages app when she's rewatching. And what did you say about the the uh, stash under the floorboards? Like your question was like, how many times is she? You know, because there's a stack of drawings yes, in the many- shade. How many of those are there? Um, Because she has a bunch of those notes down there, which sort of like when I was watching that, like it seems like there are many. And if there are many, then like, did she get this far a bunch of times before and then fail? Or did they like what stopped it? Because there's a bunch of them down there. Did she have this reaction, you know, the previous time that she did this? So. So, but I was, I was, when I was watching this episode, uh, uh, live, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And, you know, and it's like, cause I was so cold. Cause we didn't really, I mean, we knew the texts were back there. We, we didn't get the, we got that hint of like the body shop in episode two, but we didn't see how, cause we really hadn't got the whole Felix and Sylvester and all the grotesque things that they do. We don't see that until episode five. Mm-hmm. We we didn't get the hints until here. And it was like grim and scary and, you know, and you had all this uh, imagery of the shade and oh, it was just delightfully creepy. It really was. So, oh, I found my note. It was mostly I want to know how many times this happened and how far did it go each time when she drew the same thing before and stashed it in the floorboards. 
This was my yeah. question. And of course, Don's reply was, it would sure be fucking nice if they had talked about that on the commentary track. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said in nine minutes. Oh, you had a you had a conversation about the uh, once again. Is it the third time we see the uh, shootout with Hector Armistice and Deputy Foss getting shot? Um, that's the sheriff's gun, Deputy Foss. Says. And by the way, whitey white people. <laughs> Stop getting Marshall Pruitt and Deputy Foss confused. Marshall Pruitt is the guy who said, uh, Pruitt, Pettit, Pruitt uh, said, you know, uh, earlier with a man in black and Lawrence, you realize, uh, Deputy, who you've got here, the most wanted man. And says Lawrence's full name. Yeah. And that's, that is a different black guy with a badge then Deputy Foss, you know, who mostly hangs around Sweetwater, who in the previous episode went out with uh, Sheriff Pickett to confront uh, uh, Wyatt's gang, but then took the guest back into town. There can be two black guys in a show with a badge. <laughs> you can tell the people on the Westworld uh, wiki are white people because they can't tell the difference between these actors. I mean... Come on. And I Come wanted on. to, like, I wanted to people give people of color credit for don't that, but all no. look the same. No, Jeez. they don't. Don't trust Whitey. That's, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that's it. That's the theme Sorry. of this episode, apparently. Yeah. So you, yeah, but anyway, Jim, you had a comment in, the, uh, in our notes um, uh, about the night in the lockup. Oh, I actually thought of, um, Ford had a line earlier about every brave grass is under our control, but here is Maeve like profoundly subverting the fact that in fact, there's a lot of stuff going on right underneath your noses that you have no idea about that. She's allowed to get away with this for so long. I thought that was interesting, um, but I could have sworn that I looked up somewhere. So this is um, profoundly true that uh, there's an Easter egg from the original series where there's uh, one of the girls from the, from the Mariposa is going to uh, hide a key in their breakfast and the guests can break out of the, the lockup. Um, I thought that was kind of fun for anyone who might be old and had seen the original. Yeah, it's been so long since I, I've got the original right next to me in Blu-ray here, uh, but I, I bought it for five bucks from uh, Amazon, but I haven't watched it. I haven't seen the original in 30 plus years, so I have no doubt you're right about that, so. So anyway, so let's let's uh, cut uh, cut to the end here when um, um, the uh, Maeve lures Hector upstairs so she can get some information of him about the shades. And they are Uh, so fun to watch together. Like the Maeve and Hector show is a great show. The sexual tension is so damn thick. God. And it's creepy sexual tension too, <laughs> but uh, the the dialogue is absolutely uh, to get that information, but also ha- to have him cut into her to try to find that bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you highlighted one of the lines, Jim. Uh, Basically, all of the lines are really, really good. Yeah, blessing from God to see the masters who pull your strings. That's from Hector. Um, may have had a line. If I took that manner of interest in you, you'd have no say in how long we'd need whatsoever, which was pretty <laughs> perfect. I love her um, so yeah. much. Yeah, every line that she gives with it's 120% sass. It's great. 
Um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that um, there seems to almost be a kind of religion that has sprung up, like an emergent religion for the hosts. And I couldn't tell if that was something that they had done themselves or if behavior had come up like, hey, let's we're going to make mistakes. So let's give them a plausible explanation for the things they might see. Um, I couldn't or is tell. this something that Ford has done to start to wake the host? Yeah. We exactly. don't know. And we want answers to this, Joy and Jonah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, stop fucking with us. Uh, but the end of here is really the crucial thing. The last, uh, two lines, uh, as they're sitting on top of the safe, uh, Maven Hector have dug the old bullet that the tech left in her out of her side. Which remember to be abundantly sheriff- clear, we got a good look at her hip and yeah. Hector even says, because she no says, scar. I was shot right here. And he says, there's, there's no, no mark. Wound. Yeah. Yeah. So when they dig the thing out, Hector says, and this is when his worldview starts down and where I think he starts to fear. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not the brave man. What does it mean? And Maeve says that I'm not crazy after all. And that none, none of, of this, this matters. matters. And they, oh. they embrace in blood and a hail of bullets yes fade to black and i'm like you know i was just about to stand up and give a standing ovation in my room watching this on you know my computer on on hbo and uh i wow wow i if there's any scene that comes up to the level of that creepy one with ford and teresa Oh, you know, in the uh, in the third act of the show, this is it right here. It is just outstanding. So let's get overall. Overall, what did you think, Kelly? Well, overall, I really liked it. Um, This is another one that had uh, some moments of action, but uh, it's one where a lot of stuff happens, even though there's not a lot of like flat out gunfight or that big thing in that place you know, that you can pin some major events to like in other parts of the show. And so um, this is another one where uh, the stuff that happens, like the biggest impacts on the plot happen in the smallest moments of the show. And this was the thing I talked about last time about how uh, we've taken like such a big story. And when you distill it down to the smallest pieces, which is like an interaction of one character with another or a character with themselves in some cases, um, this is where you end up like really effectively telling the story, giving us a way in, giving us people to root for, giving us people to root against, and making all of that very, very clear and, and turning it into something that you have a stake in. So, you know, like as Maeve wakes up and you see Hector start to crack because like overall it seems like so far... Uh, you know, now that she's worked it out, Maeve is kind of okay with like getting to where she's going. So far, Dolores has been kind of okay with where she's going. And like Hector gets into it. And let me just point out, we've had two women who are like, I'm dealing with this as it happens. And when Hector starts to crack, he starts to freak out. So take from that what you will. And the like, but that's the thing I like about this one is like, this is still a very impactful episode when it comes to setting up stuff for the rest of the series. And like, one of the biggest moments in this episode is two people sitting at a table sharing a meal. 
you know, and it's, it, you know, Ford and Teresa in, in the restaurant. Like when you look, when you watch that scene, so much happens in that scene. And, you know, when you describe it, it's two people sitting at a table, probably having lunch. It seems like lunchtime. That's what's happening. And yet that reverberates through every single episode for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that's uh, that's also it's sort of like the counterpart to some of the action. You know, we have the shootout at the mm-hmm. end, but it's not the shootout. That's the. Important the point of that part. episode of that moment. A yeah. couple of people sit uh, in a hotel room, you know, having a tense conversation. I mean, there's a. It's not exactly like the show is filled with exposition, but there's a lot of people that sit around and just have conversations. And I'm on the edge of my seat. How mm-hmm. do they do that? It's pretty amazing. So, what do you think, Jim? I thought it was okay. No, no, it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the show is still kind of on an upswing. Like it's still kind of set, setting everything up. Like it needs to to establish itself, or rather, it's continuing to establish itself before it burns everything down at the very end of the season. I think you guys talked about this before. Um, I thought it was great that Teddy finally survived an episode, even if he kind of looks like hamburger at the end of it. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that only the female hosts seem to be doing okay with the whole like self-awareness thing because, man, Peter Abernathy, again, just had a really, really bad time. Um, and the lunch was great, even if there was like the world's fullest glass of wine there, like such a waste of whatever that must have been um, to just pour it all over the table for 20 minutes. Um, but yeah. As a wine connoisseur, I mean, it was painful to watch. I was thinking that that might have been a frustration for you at the time. It's like, no, you could have just <laughs> held up your finger just a moment later. Come on. But Ford's not that kind of guy. Maybe he's a beer drinker. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I kept watching for sure. Like, I was pretty well hooked at this point in the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. I said, four stars. Check it out. Yep. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would say. Um I it, it is not there are so many great episodes. I can't say that it's my favorite episode, but every time I watch the episode, I, it's so stupid. I always forget that the scene with Maeve and Hector, you know, that whole thing comes at the end. It's like when Logan and um uh Slim ride off over the hill, I think, oh well, the credits are gonna come up now. And, you know, because the <laughs> I was like, holy crap, there's also this really cool part at the end. So it's like it's a bonus episode to me. You know, it's like got a bonus scene. It, on it, so. it totally is because of the way because of the way it sort of feels like you got a whole episode and then this almost feels like the scene after the credits. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's really not that long. It's only seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's totally worth it. OK, so we have we have. We have butchered another rewatched episode <laughs> of Westworld. What now, boss? Well, we're going to have some theories. We said we were going to theorize a little bit. And so uh, we've got some some theorizing to do. And I kind of gave my, showed my hand a little bit. Um, I would I would not do well at the Mariposa at the tables. Um, I showed my hand earlier when I said that what I really want. One of the things I want to see in season two that I'm projecting onto the Super Bowl ad footage is that uh, we get the tale of a previous uprising. That's my hope because I want to know how this has gone before. And part of that relates to, um, in fact, I'm probably going to go back and start at season at episode one 
and watch through to see if I can see the seeds of this. Just like with the timeline, like once we figure out that we're operating on two time frames, uh, going back and watching again is a very different experience. Uh, I feel like if I go back and look for the the signs that this has happened before, I don't know if I'll find anything in that. Somebody on Reddit has probably already done this, but I feel like there there might be Reddit's more there like, that's it's setting like the up. The monkeys in the typewriter coming up with Shakespeare. I'm sure they. <laughs> Well, so I'm I'm sure someone's done it, but I'm curious if if there is stuff there that again, just like the first time through, we didn't realize was hitting us over the head with stuff that is is sort of going to talk about one of these previous uprisings yes. and what happened with it, or um, maybe it wasn't even uprisings, but it's still like one of one of the times before now when Ford has had to tangle with the board. Yes. And I'm really curious about that. And part of what uh, set me off on this was partly uh, me finding all of those drawings, that there wasn't just one in there, that there were many. And the other yeah. is that this is one where uh, the man in black talks about Arnold and knows a lot more about it than I would think a corporation would let out if somebody who helped found this park had ended up killed by somebody by by a host in the park <laughs> right before it opened. Well, yeah, yeah, but at, so, at this time, the man in black essentially is the you know he's running uh, Delos because right, I'm sure but, his but at the time, but at the time he he well, what that wasn't, well, and so we'll have this conversation again when we do Contrapasso because of the conversation Logan and William have when they walk into the town. Kelly. Yes. So, but that's another, that was another thing that sort of, cause again, no frame is wasted. No word of dialogue is wasted. This was the thing that started turning in my head is like, why is he bringing this up? And I'm wondering if it serves more than one purpose because it serves the first purpose of helping fill in a bit of Arnold's character. We find out like that the story that Ford was telling is, is kind of the story the story that he told yeah. Bernard is is a version of what happened to Arnold. And I I wonder if, if it was partly to help fill in this mysterious Arnold character that we've started hearing about. And if it's also partly for another reason down the line. You never know. I, I would like to point out, too, that in the notes, Kelly, well, she didn't write this whole thing down because it would take a page. But <laughs> she said uh, she made a glorious typo maybe it's a typo is that <laughs> what is in the superb owl ad that oh i did that on purpose and, because that makes me laugh. and so i will forever call that football event <laughs> the now, game the, yeah the, the superb owl I, there I, was unfortunate spacing in a wrap on like a light rail car or something and so it said superb on one train car and owl on the other train car it's pretty great <laughs> Yes, I, I agree. So yes, uh, Jim, that. do you have theories? Theory Yo, time. I think we've talked about this before, like just even on this episode, but just how special are our main characters? Because we follow a few and they're awesome and we love them and we want them to succeed and find out who they are inside deep down. But we see the little girl and she seems pretty self-aware and we see other people and it's like, is the bartender just kind of like... Um, I don't know, uh, playing along with Maeve as she narrates to him what he should be doing. Um, it makes me wonder, like, which other hosts have woken up. Um, because the whole thing with the um, uh, uh, the the doll is like, oh, there other people have noticed, other hosts have noticed that something's not quite right. And they've, um, you know, uh, 
um, built little totems for themselves and they've they're aware of something even if they don't fully understand what it is um right. and i don't think so we'd what ever stages find of what stages are they at we do know from what Bert tells mave in episode 10 when she said uh, when she asked how many of us are there like uh that are awake basically and he said a few in the park and and she was like so what do you do do you you know kill us or whatever because Maeve knows at that time Bernard is a host but he's a host he's a host that's been working for the other side and in some ways evil and he says no most of you go insane <laughs> and so Bernard has been clear there are only a few of you a few that he knows of that have gotten to this level of awareness because he now has full access to his memories, right? He sure. remembers everything at this point after, uh, after Felix, you know, resurrects him on, uh, off the floor, which was kind of grotesque looking. Uh, and, uh, so I'm going to say he's a reliable, um, uh, Lisa and, uh, Jonah to that, uh that uh you know that's where we're uh where we're going and so i suspect my theory is we're going to be seeing a lot more hosts wake up during uh dolores slash wyatt's jihad because that's really what it is oh, that's what yeah. uh, season two is going to be it's going to be a fucking jihad so They've certainly got the trigger phrase down for, hey, it's time for you to wake up now, right? <laughs> yeah. Bring yourself back online. Uh, oh, no, I, I meant the myself violent or... delights. That seemed to be Oh, the, the violent delights, yeah. Oh, that trigger. Uh, yeah, I should say that to myself every morning. And so bring, <laughs> yourself, Don, bring yourself back online. Because at my age, you need, you need some assistance. Okay, any other theories? <laughs> The last one's kind of morbid. It makes me sad. I don't. I don't like the last one, even if I wrote it down. Give it um, to us anyway. Just for, well, just that Ford, Arnold, and the Man in Black all seem to be like hell bent on killing themselves by host. Um, Arnold certainly did it. I'm not quite sure I remember why, other than um, he seemed to think that it was a good idea at the time. Uh, you know, Ford definitely knew what he was doing, as he says, mm -hmm. "Good luck" before he goes upstairs. And the man in black, like he has a bunch of throwaway lines to to Lawrence along the way. It's like, um, I'm not you know, going back. Yeah, not I'm never even going that, back but, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, just like Lawrence is getting uh, taken off to get shot, um, and he's like, "I'll kill you someday." And um, uh, man in black is like, "Yeah, maybe someday soon," kind of thing. Like he he seems to actually kind of dignify it and not just like brush it off as like, "Okay, well, he's kind of blustery." Um, he's the man in black, like he really seems to be there to die. Um, cause again, like he needs to read this book with the last page and the last page in everybody's life is, well, you're dead. So, um, that's my yeah. guess is that getting to that last pages on his bucket list. I suspect we may find that the man in black has some terminal illness that even his foundation <laughs> yeah. uh, can't cure. Remember, you know, when he said, to the other uh, guest who came up to him, thanking him for saving his sister's life. He was, uh, he was like, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? Uh, I'll cut your uh, throat. I'm on my fucking yeah. vacation. Exactly. Yeah. So one and more talk word. Talk about, talk about a people person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, that's William right there. So, yeah, no, I, I think I, I, I don't think it's silly. I think you're, am I, I would buy, you know, there is definitely a pattern here. Uh, choosing suicide by host. Uh, that's you know who may who may get offed at the end of season two. There will obviously some deaths will be involved uh, in season two. I suspect. Um, oh, for sure. You know, uh, but you also never know who comes back in this show too, because they they obviously show lots of different time frames and. Uh, and they and, can always bring someone back as a host and just not let anyone know and have it be in like a fake out previous timeline or previous time frame, right? Mm-hmm. They did it with Bernard. There's no reason they couldn't kill the man in black in the first episode of season two and still have him around. Um, right. They will play fast and loose with that. I as just as they hope like. they do it better than season four of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. All right. You wanna you wanna dance this out, Kelly? Are we done? <laughs> uh, I definitely think we're done. Um, I first of all, I want to thank Jim for uh, showing up and withstanding our nonsense. For <laughs> oh, I want to say thank you both for having me. This has been a, a fantastic evening for all this time. And uh, I and Jim, if if you like, you can tell the people where to find you. I'd rather not, but um, <laughs> Jay Truer on Twitter, J-T-R-U-H-E-R. <laughs> okay. You don't have to. I can always cut that later if you decide to change your mind. Thrill uh, me. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as Verso. You should find me on micro.blog under the same name. And Don, where can people find you? I am hiding, as usual, yeah. as Don Melton on uh, on the Twitter, and also Don Melton on micro.blog, and Don Melton on Cleverly. Uh, I made it different that time by <laughs> not changing it at all uh, on GitHub, where you can bug me for technical support. Because that's his secret identity, Don Melton. Yes, Don Melton. <laughs> He's stuck in a loop. It's fine. Don't tell him yeah, that. He'll yeah. notice. It'll be awful. <laughs> well, I am a co-host, so exactly. <laughs> it's only fair. There, there is that. Uh so again, I do I do want to thank The Incomparable for having us, and uh, you will hear this very soon. And I can't wait, none of us can wait to see you on uh, episode five when we end up discussing that next week. So this has been Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. And uh, until next week, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Party on. Party on. We'll make fun of you for not saying it. Please do. I think you should. There may be a bit of mocking, but yeah. That's fine. Okay. You can't hurt a guest. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>